Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq al and you can catch up with us on social media by following and liking our pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA. Use that same username to get at us wherever you get your podcast, so you can subscribe, rate, and review, and most importantly, share. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Spotify, and just about any other platform that you can come up with. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA. Uh, family, we want to make sure that we thank our sponsors, Recycle Processes, for their continued support. Thank you very much. And also, we thank CIOGC, that is Council of Islamic Organizations of Greater Chicagoland, for their continued support as well, and congratulate them once again on a successful end-of-year annual banquet. You can get more information about them at CIOGC.org. That is CIOGC.org. All right, family, I am blessed to have joining me in studio two soldiers, two people who are about the business of making our world a better place. I want to start with Miss Samaria Rice, who has turned pain definitely into purpose. She is the CEO and founder of the Tamir Rice Foundation, and we have uh, joining her Bishop Greg L. Greer. He is a public speaker, journalist, minister, and social justice activist and founder and president of Freedom First International. Um, this is like his, his third time back here with us. That's it. Right. That's it. Well, we welcome you Blessed. both. Thank Blessed you for here. having us. Blessed to be here. Now, I, I know that our listeners, without me even having to go into, uh, as soon as I mentioned uh, your son's name, mm -hmm. they automatically know who you are. Yes. When I mention, when I say the Samir Rice Foundation, we are coming up on the fifth year memorial. Yes. Uh, it is certainly not a, a celebration, but we want to celebrate his life, yes. uh, celebrate his memory, and there's nothing better, uh, there's no better way to describe that. So, first of all, welcome to Chicago. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and I know, uh, you know, this is not your first time here. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but can we uh, talk a bit about, you know, what is because I know you are very busy. Uh, as I said, you have really cemented yourself uh, and built a platform that uh, kind of go back to what you said um, mm -hmm. offline. You said America told told you a lie. Yeah, they told me a lie that sold me a dream. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, now, what's the lie? What's the dream? And that we was all equal and and things is equal and justified up here and and Christopher Columbus discovered this place when the Indians was already here so right you know I had to kind of re-educate myself after my son's death yeah. because I didn't know like the um, teaching and the learning that you get from the inner city schools they do not teach you those type of things they teach you what, you, what they want you to know and it's very little about us in those books mm. now there's something that many people, and, and the force, unfortunately the way our news cycle works, we go from one trauma to the next. Whatever is catching people's attention, uh, and then they're looking for the next thing, right? But this has gone well beyond simply a recognized name. This was this was your, your son. Yes. And and, and and in seeing that, talking about justice and how uh, America has said, we are a land of freedom and justice and liberty and all these things. And we think about the individual who took your son's life, this officer, uh, Timothy uh, Loman, mm -hmm. and how he was, he lost his job, mm -hmm. but it was not because he acted improperly in responding to 
uh, the call that brought him in contact with your son. Mm -hmm. He lost his job because what? Because what? He lied on his uh, application. Now, mm -hmm. kind of walk us through what justice has looked like for you because you you got really uh, you 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 immersed yourself in making sure that he would not be showing up at anybody else's uh, department. Yeah. Um, can you talk a bit about that process and 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 what moved you to? Um, yeah. So. So, um, let me see. He ended up getting fired for lying on his application. Um, you know, and I guess that was just the work of my attorneys at the time. And I guess the, uh, you know, I guess the judges or, or, or the whatever. See, I, I didn't really, see, I didn't know he was getting fired. So, I guess I thought, so I guess it was the work of the attorneys. But what, what really um, startled me is when he did get fired and then he tried to reapply out in Bel Air, Ohio, I got word of it. My team act very quickly with flooding the office with phone calls and letters to the mayor's office and the chief of police. And, oh, even Billy Mills, my Chicago attorney, actually had a conversation with their chief of police and, and asked him, did he know what they, was, what they were getting into because the chief of police hadn't even had it, you know, Timothy Loman records. Right. So he actually had a chance to get their chief of police on the phone with the previous people from Independence, Ohio chief of police and, and allowed them to have a conversation. And, um, you know, they came out and said that they wasn't going to hire him or he rescinded his application. So mm. whatever, that just didn't work. But as of right now, Timothy Loman has applied um, back in Cleveland, but we have not heard anything. And, and I think I heard about that in May of this year. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the arbitration process has turned him down, so he appealed it with Jeff Farmer, which is the uh, CPPA president. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just in a standstill in the court system. We don't even know who the judge is going to be oversighting, you know, oversighting mm -hmm. it. It's just at a standstill. Right. Well, I, I want to bring us forward a bit because this is an ongoing yeah. uh, situation, you know, something to keep your eye on. Yeah. But the work that you uh, that you are doing with the Tamir Rice Afrocentric Cultural Center. Yes. Uh, I really want to get into that because okay. that we talk about telling telling lies to <laughs> being yes. told lies to. Absolutely. Uh, and the best way to push back yeah. is to have spaces where we can tell the truth. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a bit about what this space is going to represent how, and, and what you envision for it? Okay. Well, I decided to purchase this building in 2018 because I wanted uh, to give back to the community. I wanted Tamir to give back to the community. And one thing Tamir benefited from was after-school programming, which uh, Cleveland, Ohio is lacking of due to the, the system or whatever. Um, our children just don't have no nothing to do and nowhere to go, so I wanted to create a safe space that nurtures and values them in their darkest times. And um, what we will provide over there is um, the arts and culture as far as uh, drama and theatric classes with creative writing, with uh, mentoring and expression arts over there. Okay. Um, Tamir benefited from all of these things, just being a kid, uh, you know, kids like to use art to express themselves. And 
Uh, he likes to play the drums and play on the piano just by playing. So it just gave him a sense of comfort. Um, so I wanted to create this program on the way that I had to implement structure in my kid's life. I have three high school graduates, and I come straight from the hood. And you know we don't have a lot of high school graduates yeah. coming from where I come from. So basing how I raise my kids, I developed a center. I know what works. I know what it takes to raise children, to nurture them for they can be the best um, citizen, productive um, human being out here. Yeah. 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 Um, I want to yeah. share something before I ask my brother, uh, uh, Bishop uh, Greer, a uh, question about this connection. Mm -hmm. uh, first off, give folks the address to the website because I want to share something that I, okay. that I read from there. Okay, so you can find us at www.tamiriricefoundation.org. And you can uh, check us out there. You can even uh, donate if you like. You can request me if you like and just read uh, what we got going on okay. there. Yeah. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. So one of the things that struck me looking at the website was this one sentence. This one sentence. It says, Cleveland's child poverty rate is the worst of any large U.S. city, with 48.7% of children under 18 living mm -hmm. in poverty. That's according to the U.S. Census uh, in uh, uh, 2017, yeah. uh, pulled from it in 2017. That speaks deeply to the need for centers like this. Yes. Right, because it's very tailored. You mentioned uh, children from these communities being able to graduate out of high school is in itself an achievement. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just wanted to, to share that. So Radio Sound Family, when you think about a community center, think about it within the context of that those types of numbers of, uh, of child poverty and what that means with you know regard to literacy mm. uh, and the support systems that are lacking, mm -hmm. right? So that's, this, that's a tremendous effort. We're gonna talk more about it. Mm -hmm. But I wanna ask, uh, Bishop, talk, talk to us about how Freedom First International is connected and uh, whether supporting or mirroring uh, this type of work and awareness. Uh, yeah, just, just kind of talk to us a bit about that. So the way that Freedom First connected with Justice for Tamir mm -hmm. on, a on a global scale was to, uh, when the case, tragically when Tamir, when Tamir's life was taken, I, begin to go down to Cleveland to offer logistical support as much as possible and myself and Samaria connected. Um, at that point it was a definite need for a lot of things and coming from Chicago and some of the things that we've dealt with with community policing and lack thereof, um, some of the criminal justice expertise that we were dealing with, I offered to Samaria and the family to help fight for justice for Tamir and uh, I tell you once we got started it was just a, a flurry of things and I mean at that point in time it was a, a real big sense of urgency especially that this was the stage when after Tamir the first several months after Tamir um, Tamir's life was tragically taken so there was a, a lot of need and and subjectively, I'm going to say my subjective opinion was that 
Um, there was a lot of unattended areas at that time. And mm -hmm. just to, one more piece to that, um, with Samaria and the family, when a lot of times when these cases happen, they're so busy with fighting the emotional that not a lot of people over here, a, a lot of times in these cases, they don't have the logistical support needed. Right. So they get caught in a whirlwind. And what I, what I wanted to do, having worked high profile cases, was to, while they were focusing on healing emotionally because she needed to do that, mm -hmm. right, specifically, I wanted to address some of the logistical concerns and we started pointing those out and pinpointing them. Um, one small example was lack of legal representation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the, and, and I hate the fact, and I, and I probably say I've always told somebody that I regret because there were attorneys who were on the case mm -hmm. who were national-based attorneys who were known all around, probably the world. We pulled them off and we brought in another set of attorneys. and. A lot of, and just a specific about that, in a lot of these cases, legal representation is very bad. Mm. You, it's really hard to find great lawyers, but through our Chicago people and connections that we had, mm -hmm. we brought uh, some attorneys in from Chicago, and it really helped and turned the case around, and we still have those connections to this day. So just to, you know, from that point, we just really started working on what we can do in order to preserve justice for Tamir, and there were several layers of it that we shoveled through. So when you speak about the, the logistics mm -hmm. and, and moving outside of uh, the emotional response, the healing that mm -hmm. is necessary, and then, you know, being able to operate on dual tracks, sometimes Amen. multiple tracks at the same time, and, yeah. and oftentimes um, uh, families are left in just being able to worry about, you know, final um, arrangements uh, and, and trying, you know, trying to take care of, of, of things like that, making sure that loved ones are, are present and then moving forward, you know, and that becomes the main focus. So, so, so in this situation here, so you, you've gone beyond just the, just the, the trauma that was, uh, that was uh, heaped upon your own family and, and have transferred that. And then I've also kind of taken in uh, other people's family, other children, other the other Tamirs of the world, and said that, well, no, I'm not just going to focus on what I've gone through. Now I'm going to, I'm going to give something back in His name, right? To, mm -hmm. Towards the, the uh, towards the future. Mm -hmm. um, how important is it to use art in in that uh, as as a part of that uh, that work? Um, well, I didn't know how Tamir uh, was in high demand with art. You know, all these artists was coming to me, and they wanted to um, use Tamir's name, use his face, um, his image, or whatever, to do their own express, you know, express their own way of what social justice looked like and injustice looked like in America. And um, just working with all of these artists, I have created a lot of projects uh, across the country from having a, a mural uh, memorial over in Palestine of Tamir. It's a memorial over in Palestine. Wow. From E.J. Hill doing a um, installation of a University of St. Tamir. And he actually reached out to me um, through my email and stuff. And I just didn't know like how uh, Tamir was connecting with the arts, but he is through like the social justice piece and 
you know, the story itself and people just want to be able to express their self through through the tragedy and I just have allowed it, you know, collabing with uh, various artists and documentaries and films and all type of stuff. I just made myself available because I kind of made this like my career. Yeah. Um, I was very much a stay-at-home mom. I was into real estate and I kind of had to leave the real estate alone, continue to be a stay-at-home mom, but also just jump into this activist role that I had no knowledge about, no nothing about. It kind of just took the lead and the leadership, like, just took lead of it because it's my son, and I know what Tamir liked, and I know what would benefit Tamir and other children. So, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I just took I just took the lead on it. I don't know. It just, it was a God calling. I'm telling you, through the grace of God, I'm only able to get up and walk and do the things that I do. It's only through the grace of God. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I have to say, I mean, amen. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, how important, and, and I know that I know my brother here uh, might be a little humble on this, but the work that you have done, uh, and it is very much influenced, you know, the Kingian philosophy of nonviolent uh, change, social agitation. What have you, what have you been able to take from, from uh, Bishop Greer with regard, uh, with regard to activism, you know, being, being yeah. kind of thrust into it. Um, just taking his, um, taking his lead, you know. No, I, I take his <laughs> like I take his lead, like what I'm, I'm, I'm following what he does, and I'm looking at what he does, and it's working. You know, stand in the media. Your voice, your voice. Oh making sure I had a voice as well. Um, he wanted to make sure that my voice stayed relevant, so he was able to take uh, me and John Crawford to the United Nations. Um, what else you did? You uh, well, you didn't agree with, but... What? The Clinton campaign, Hillary Clinton. Oh, the Hillary... Hi- they Hillary. asked me to work on to be a surrogate. Yeah, they and want... they took me down south. Hillary did, and yeah. I, I stomped for them, and I think yeah. you were kind of on the opposite side of that. You see, I was on the opposite side because I was still very much hurting, and I told her, I said, if you can't get no indictment for me, I, I can't roll with you all, so thank you very much. <laughs> but I said... But he I said... She needs to be the president of the United States because what we're up against yeah. is what we have now. Yeah. And I said that would have been probably a better choice. So as we were meeting yeah. with Hillary, yeah, and you know there was a lot of things you know that were in the air. But I yeah. I, I always felt that that would have been the better option hmm. for yeah. president of the United States. Yeah, but I wasn't <laughs> there to. I didn't want to look like a sellout or anything to the people for what I was doing in my cause. So at that point, he made the decision to do what he needed to do to elevate whatever, and I made the decision to do what I needed to do just for my own purpose well, reasons. You know, yeah. leaders, it is, it's, it's not uncommon for leaders to, to disagree. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, and, and I respect... I respect your leadership. Yeah, you know because you have you have your own conditions, uh, your your calls, yeah. and and what you are or not willing to compromise on. Yeah, so I take and, I take a lot of direction and lead. I mean, he gives me great advice. He tells me that you know don't let nobody try to tell you what to do. This is your son. This is you know what's best for you, and I take all of that and just you know I take it. I need it. I need yeah. for people to tell me that, especially the people that's close to me, because sometimes um, some activists 
um, just being in this environment, they just have their own they own agenda and they'll be pulling and tugging on me and stuff and I don't want to be standing for nothing that I don't know nothing about so he also told me how to like dissect things that's coming my way like I have to right. get into it like who are you what you what you stand for what you doing let me look at your background like I gotta make yeah. sure that I'm able to stand with you far as Tamir because Tamir is representing purity you talking about a 12 year old kid here he's pure right. you know what I'm saying so I just can't be standing with everybody if you know. I just, I just, I just won't do it. You know, your calls have to be the same thing. I'm, you know, I'm fighting for it. Yeah. Most of them, basically, right. you know. Yeah. Bishop, I want to pose the same question to you. And for someone who has who has spent, you know, many years uh, working for positive social change, uh, and and. You know, and going about it, you know, uh, through through a, a number of different ways. So, right, you're not new to this, but what have you been able to learn and take from uh, Samaria's stance and from her willingness to, even though you know, she said I was not into activism, sure, but was thrust into it, accepted it, and and I, I love the way you put it. You say, you know, if, if not for God, then I would not be able to do this. So right. definitely a, a reliance and a recognition of that, that higher power that, that animates and pushes us all. What have you been able to, to extract from her? I, what I've been able to extract is with a lot of these cases of police brutality, it marvels me to see how the mothers specifically have been so strong and the strength, I don't know if everyone could have that same amount of strength, especially when you turn on the TV in America and you see what happened to your child being repeated over and over and over again. Some people mentally, it would affect them to a certain level. So even in, in talking to Samaria, I really, um, it always amazes me of her level of strength. And then some of the other mothers as well, uh, Mike Brown's mother, Leslie, who was a mm. mutual friend of ours, but she's more of a friend of Samaria's. Uh, Eric Gardner's mother um, is a mutual friend of ours, more on the Samaria side. John Crawford, who's, a, who's definitely a mutual friend in between us. Um, some of these high-profile cases in America, and these folks have such a high level of strength, and I don't know necessarily know if I would have that same level of strength, be it my child was murdered or his life was taken in such a tragic matter through police brutality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and we got the, the, the cultural center. Yeah. Um, and then there's also the need for, in addition to the, the, the education of the community, mm -hmm. it's in educating the public through policy change. Yeah. Uh, and, through, and through, you know, broader awareness. Oh, absolutely. Right? So one of the things that uh, we talked a bit about offline was the Know Your Rights. Um, oh, yes. Is that, did I it's, got that right? The Know yeah. Your Rights campaign? It's actually a safe, it's, it's Tamir Rice Safety Guidebook, okay. and it's for children. And it's basically, um, you know, if you get stopped by the police, what to do, 
if they want to search you, what to do as a kid, if if they come to your house while your parents is gone, you know, you have a lot of 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds that's watching their younger siblings, do you let them in? So I just kind of went through it with the ACLU, and we developed a safety guide book. It has Tamir's name on it. It has ACL logo on it, and it has a picture of him on the back end memory of Tamir Rice. So I'm excited. We're going to, um, ACLU will be announcing it on the 20th at the CMA. Um, it's all ready to go. It's going to be across Ohio and things like that. Tell us what the CMA is. Oh, the Cleveland Museum of Art is the CMA. <laughs> okay. All right. So yes. you, you, you saved me yeah. from having to ask. <laughs> yeah, it's the Cleveland Museum of Art, and this will be my second event Sweet. there. Um, where last year um, I did a 16th birthday party, uh, which turned out really good. I raised $30,000. Okay. And um, I'm hoping to uh, raise more this year, working with the Astrogate and Bukhari Katwana, um, because I need to renovate the building. I need to get it up and going so I could put ch- children in there and the staff in there. Now, for folks not familiar with those names, Tell us a little bit about him. The Astor Gates is a famous black artist based out of Chicago. He has the art bank over there in Stony, Stony, Island. Stony yeah. Island. Also, um, the gazebo is over there as an installation. You can walk by and see it. It's right It's outside, so you can walk by and see it. And he kind of came in my life when Cleveland gave me the responsibility of uh, what I'm going to do with the gazebo because I asked them to remove it from the site where Tim Mayer was murdered at because I didn't want it over there no more. So, yeah, they removed it. They gave me the responsibility. My Chicago attorney, Billy Mills, uh, made it possible for the Tamir Rice Foundation to have it. And the Astor was gracious enough to come and get it free of charge for me and store it mm. and, um, you know, keep it for the last three years now for me. And then he did an installation for Tamir's 17th birthday. So that's how it it got outside this year because he was keeping it inside of the art bank, like on display, certain pieces and stuff right. like that. Um, and Bakari Ketwana, um, he um, does rap sessions. He's an educator. Um, he... Um, when I mean by rap sessions, he, um, you know, go to different universities, take the moms on like speaking tours. Me and me, and, um, Eric Gardner's mother, um, preferably um, to certain colleges to tell our story, to talk about the um, the uh, injustice in America or our ideas what police reform may look like. Because I'm very much involved in that as well with city council. I'll be on their next. I'm perfect. I'm on their next. I'm pretty much involved with city council in Cleveland and the consent decree to make sure that we have a civilian oversight after consent decree is gone. So just developing project after project after project. Um, yeah, you know, that's what I'm doing. But I, I, I got off the subject, didn't I? I did get <laughs> no, off no, the no, subject. No, no, oh, no, no. Okay. That was, that was fine. Yeah, fine. How, okay. how do police, how, what is your relationship like with the police department now? Uh, uh, they, I think they have a lot of respect for me. Uh, I can't say if I respect them. Um, it's, it's, it's just more of that I respect the human being of them. As okay. far as anything else, I just, I don't, as far as anything else, I don't really look at none of that. I just look at them as a human being because they bleed just like me. And that's about it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 
we don't have a relationship, you know what I'm saying? Um, I have, since Tamir has been uh, murdered and everything, I've been pulled over by a couple of traffic cops. They come to me very respectful, and I talk to them very respectful, give me my ticket. I say, yeah, I was speeding, it was me. Yeah. I'm very honest, and, you know, they say, okay, Miss Rice, have a good day. There's my ticket. So, you know, it's no uh, no type of, no type of. Uh, but I would imagine they know. Yeah, they know my license. Yeah, they know my license plate. They done ran it and everything. I probably was going 90. It was me. (laughs) I was going 90. It was me. So I have had a couple interactions, but I could just say that uh, it was very respectful on both ends, and I'm glad of it. You know, I got a good cop that day. Let me just say that. Yeah. Good trooper, state trooper. uh, What is the sheriff's? You know, I got a good one that day. You know, very lucky. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. With regard to what's happening with ACLU, uh, that that give me the name of that publication again. It's Tamira Rice Safety Guidebook. Tamira Rice Safety Guidebook. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes. so that's that's really what we're looking at in terms of you know that's that is education by one of the premier organizations that you know that is so that is <coughs> its whole intent is protecting the rights of uh, the people, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So. With regard to that, what are some of the things that you uh, that that you are looking at that Freedom First and the National is looking at uh, that f- kind of fall in line with that? So when we talked about know your rights, it's, it's something that Samaria was really um, working on, and what I have tried to do is um, continue to we want to continue addressing education, which HBCUs, universities, educational institutions around the country. Um, and speaking to the different at-risk populations, which is the young folks who are high school, college age, those are the ones who need the education the most. So we're working on vehicles to bring folks like Samaria to these people in a Know Your Rights form. And we're hoping going forward, and these are conversations at this point, um, the Know Your Rights Guide is just one resource that Samari has developed for the Tamir Rice Foundation with her conversation with the ACLU. Um, jointly, we hope, to, we hope to continue just working back and forth in universities, yeah. and Samari has spoken at many universities. So we want to take this to a lot of the HBCUs and the college and high school age children who hear it because Know Your Rights is very important. And also with that, um, the Tamir Safety Guide book um, is is for the state of Ohio, but I'm gonna try to get it globally. Well, I'm sorry, we're gonna I'm gonna try to get it globally across America because it's a different set of rules in each states and stuff. So the Tamir Safety Guide book, you know, it's, it says for the state of Ohio. So you right. know, I want to try to maybe work with um, the Chicago basis and, and continue to work with my Ohio base to see how we can get it across the United States. And I have already mentioned it to my Ohio ACLU. Like, is this just going to be for the state of Ohio or can I get this across the United States, the Tamir Safety Guide book? And it's for children and they have to read it with their parents and stuff. It's color-coded, has Tamir picture on there. Um, so I just wanted to make it kind of more appetizing for children to uh, wanna, you know, look at it because we do have a, we do have a know your rights for adults and it's just plain, but when it comes to kids, um, it's a certain way you should approach children and that's right. just what I was trying to um, do with the ACLU and things like that. Are your um, your counterparts 
mm-hmm. you, the other mothers that you have relations uh, relationships with. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the bishop mentioned mm-hmm. um, Mike Brown's mother, mm-hmm. Eric Garner's mother. Mm-hmm. Um, are they also are they aware of of this particular effort? And are they? I mean, I don't want you to have to you know <laughs> speak for them. You know, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, but if yeah. the conversations have come up, yeah, where they could either be a part of disseminating or replicating that same type of effort. I don't know. I mean, unfortunately, um, you know, folks think that the moms is one big happy family, and we're not. Okay, it's a lot of bickering and enviness. It's a lot of jealousy. Uh, it's 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 a whole different group that I don't wish no one being. So I don't know. Um, they do know of the, that I've been working on it, but if it's something they can do in memory of their child, I'm sure they can if they can get with the right people in their community or where they live at. I just took it upon myself because I wanted to do something like a safety book, and I was just going to do it. And I might, one of my advisors say, no, you can't do it. You might get in trouble because you can't say certain stuff. They say, well, go talk to the ACLU. Yeah. And as I worked with them for like two, three months on this, and they was able to say, yeah, that's a great idea. We're going to develop it. And it's finally done. I'm like, oh, it was that easy just to have a conversation. So I'm sure any, um, not any, but anyone that has experienced police brutality, I'm sure they, if they want to go work and talk to the ACLU to develop something in memory of their child, I think they can do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is unfortunate. Uh, as I kind of mentioned early on about the, the way our news cycle works, mm-hmm. it's, it's unfortunate that there are a, a select few uh, names and faces yeah. that that come to uh, you know come to our, our awareness. Yeah, because um, it's so many it's so many of them out there. But when you talk about the high profile cases, yeah, you know Tamir name will come up, Michael Brain Michael Brown name come up, Trayvon Martin name come yep. up. Yeah. Although yeah. he Philando was Castillo. oh Philando Castile and Alton Sterling yeah, and. Sterling. It's a lot of names that come up, but um, although uh, Trayvon wasn't killed by the police, they still try to uh, put him in that category, but we all know um, he was murdered with uh, community violence. So with all of that being said, you know, it's not a happy camp with the moms. It's just a lot of uh, bickering, and uh, it's, it's, it's a lot. Let me just say it's, it's a lot. Do you, does the social media make it more difficult it does um, it does for like so let me just say this more moms get more recognition than other moms i have been ridiculed like that some of the moms that doesn't have recognition then told me that i think my son is better than theirs or um who do you think you is and calling me a celebrity and these are moms that doesn't have recognition and i can understand the pain but as I try to continue to share my platform, they need to understand that I'm on the same page. Right. But it's, it, I guess it's about who who's want to be the leader. I actually don't want to be the leader, but they made me the leader. You know, when they killed my son, you know, they made me the leader, or they made me um, um, the person to call on or whatever. You know, it's not like I wanted to do it, and I right. said I never asked for none of this. But when it comes to my son, my son is going to be represented in a way. Again, my ch- all four of them, all four of my kids, gonna be represented in a way that their mother gonna represent them. You know what I'm saying? That's just how I am. That's the background I come from. I come from a thorough background, right. although a broken home, but a thorough background. Mm-hmm. All right, well, beautifully articulated. Um, <laughs> when when you uh, when you look at what you have sought out to do, right? 
with the Tamil Rice Afrocentric Cultural Center. Mm -hmm. uh, and you look at, and this is not, I'm not posing the question for the, uh, for the purpose of saying anyone is less than, mm -hmm. uh, but your work has been about building a legacy that gives back. Mm -hmm. uh, so in the other instances, right, uh, are, are there efforts that are going on by other families, uh, by other mothers that you're aware of uh, that are kind of in the same vein where they, they're trying to take that pain and turn it into, into purpose, or are they or they trying to move on with their lives. And I want to, before you yeah. answer, I just want to say that yeah. no one is obligated yeah. to be in that situation and then all of a sudden, now they become an activist, right? Nobody's yeah. obligated to do that, yeah. right? Some folks, they will go through the trauma and they just trying to find some sense of normalcy yeah. and, and build life. But, you know, you've responded in a, in a different way and you've said yeah. that I'm going to, you know, I've got a mission now yeah. out of this. So are there others who are... Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, I, I know. Um, I'm very close with Michael Brown's mom. She has developed the uh, Michael O. D. Brown. We love our sons and daughter organization. Okay. Um, she has developed a camp over there for kids, and she gives back to the community on behalf of her son and does other things in the community. Um, working with another mom, she has developed legis legislation. Am I saying that right? Legislation. Legislation in memory of her daughter. Um, although she wasn't, um, I, I think she was nationally alone, but this was community violence. Her only child was killed with community violence in DC. Um, um, I've been to the Trayvon Martin events a couple, like four or five times, and I'm sure Sabrina's doing great work over there. I'm not for sure what she's doing, right. but I'm sure she's doing great work over there. Um, Eric Gardner's mom um, in in her organization, I, get, I believe it's the Gardner Way Foundation, and she's also working with Al Sharpton, so I'm sure that they're doing things um, in memory of Eric over there, so it's just very few uh, moms that I know that I know closely some things that they're doing. But I'm sure other moms is doing stuff. Um, I know um, Katie Diallo out there. Okay. Um, she's doing things in memory of her son as well. Yeah. Um, it's a few other ones, a few other ones. I can't really name a lot of them, but I, it's a few other ones. How are some of the existing organizations? Um, how are they either are they collaborating are they in support of mm -hmm. uh the work that that you're doing yeah um you know how, how how does that look so working so in the beginning i work with uh black lives matter a little bit and um i have always told them you know i understand that uh their cause is something it's 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 it's, a, it's in a whole but their cause is something different, and you know my cause is definitely police brutality. At the end of the day, so they have supported me on a on a different type of level. But as we know, Black Lives Matter is like no longer around. So working with uh, Greg and his organization, um, I'm affiliated with uh, Million Hood Hoodies, Dante Berry and them over there, One Hood, Jasiri X, um, uh, Bakari's. Um, rap session organization and I'm, I'm missing somebody oh Amanda King shooting without bullets is a youth program a photography youth program so a lot of the organizations um, that I allow to get close to me they have been very supportive um, the Marsha P Johnson Institute um, L Hearns 
um, very dear friend of mine, like a lot of people that I allow to get close to me because you just got to be careful who you get, who you come in contact with. And everybody that I allow to get close to me and develop a relationship, they have been very supportive, very supportive um, with me. Okay. Opal Tamati, she's also over at the um, Baji organization where she deals with immigrants and things like that. She's so, a Black Lives Matters founder. Yeah, yeah, she's one of the Black Lives Matters founders. So I'm still in good relations and. You know, the people that have been there in the beginning with me, they're still there with me and things like that. I'm not opposed to new organizations. I just got to see what's going on. Like, if you about it or you not, okay? Yeah. Because Tamir name, my name, it, it carries a lot, and I understand that, but I just can't be with no nonsense. I just don't want to be bothered with it. I don't want to be bothered with no nonsense. I don't have time for it. I'm trying to yeah. build black excellence, great mm-hmm. leaders out of the Tamir Rice Afrocentric Center to um, change the dynamics of how this world is being ran. Started with uh, council, how, to, how, how you could become council and um, start there if they want to maybe be the mayor, you know, do it in from ground up. I just want to show them the right way because they didn't. They don't teach you that in school. They don't. Nobody right. told me that. I didn't know that. I didn't go to my first council meeting until my son was murdered. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. You know. I didn't even really. I seen Rodney King and I seen Trayvon Martin, but I didn't really think that police brutality was still existing for real. I had been in trouble with the police in my younger days so many times. I guess I was just one of the lucky ones. I never experienced it. Never. Right. So it was really. Um, appall- appalling to me when they was like when they, when I got that knock at the door and they was like the police just shot your son twice I'm like no my kids playing at the park and sure enough as I got my shoes on walked across the street walked around the little bend my son was laying on the ground with 10 police officers standing around him and my 14 year old daughter was screaming in the back of a car and my 16 year old son was surrounded with 8 police officers and at that time they telling me calm down calm down or we're going to put you back in the police car so and I had to leave the scene of crime leave two children at the scene of crime because they gave me an ultimatum to either stay with the two children or go with my son in the ambulance and made me ride as a passenger in the ambulance so I had to leave my two children at the scene of a crime and go with my 12 year old to the hospital so that's just how the dynamics of that. And I just don't understand why I have a dead son. We, we we live in an open carry state. Why do I have a dead son? Why is my son dead? That's what I don't understand. So with all of that anger inside of me, I just say, hey, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to make sure don't, you know, no kid ever get lied to again. So once this center get built up, maybe I can build another one somewhere else. Because I know the dynamics of raising children. I know what it takes. I have three high school graduates. Right. Two of my children were still in school when Tamira got murdered. So, and they was they were still able to graduate. That's because I supported them, and I was there for them through all the emotions, stress, kids walking up to them, talking mess, talking about when they gonna get their cut because they seen we had all this money. But this is the thing about it. Yeah, y'all seen a six million dollar settlement, but they don't realize we had ten attorneys that had to get paid right. on top of the brothers and the sisters and the mom and the dad and the administrator and all of that. Like that, I never received no six million dollars. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I never received it. So. After dealing with all of that and the emotional distress that came from my kids and, you know, their peers and stuff, I had to just, 
you know, I had to be a mom and, you know, keep on my activist hat and also go up to that school and say, hey, are y'all going to put some counseling in here for my kids? Like, you know, they I had to send them back to school. So did, did they did they offer them counseling? They did offer some counseling a little bit, but it's still the inner city of Cleveland where you have a crappy mayor, Frank Jackson, um, you know, um, giving all of the money to the downtown Cleveland, building up downtown Cleveland, and Cleveland Clinic has a lot of that over there um, up on Euclid. They, done, they almost bought the whole strip of Euclid up, yeah. um, and he has allowed it and gentrifying the neighborhoods. It just don't look the same anymore. Let me let me ask you this, um, and feel free not not to answer. Okay. But how do what do you do for self care? Because the mission, yeah, it is important. Yes. And it is one that definitely you know it needs it needs your voice. Yes. Uh, it needs the voices sure. of others who unfortunately share the same experience, yeah. uh, and 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 so many whose faces will never be known. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But with everything that you've mentioned that you are doing, mm-hmm. are you aware of your of your own responsibility to you in terms of making sure Samaria is as whole as, as she can be? Um, if you want an honest answer, uh, no. <laughs> I have developed a condition um, through because um, I come from a broken home. And then Tamir's tragedy, I just, you know, I, I can't barely sleep a lot of the times. I stay busy all of the time. Um, I recently, uh, I get back and forth in and out of counseling, just making sure that I talk to somebody that's black, okay? And I don't, I'm not talking to no white person about this situation. So it's just trying to, it's kind of hard to find the right fit, you know what I'm saying? But I do make sure that they're black. Um, so I go in and out of counseling, Um I just stay busy. I got four emails. I stay busy. Requests always come in. It's like I have, I don't know what it is to be normal. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I try to have a vacation maybe once or twice a year, maybe if that, yeah. a week here at a time at that. But, you know, having my, my daughter that's 19 that just had a baby and my son and my other daughter still dealing with some of the trickle effect from Tamir with their decision making is very negative. So I'm just really trying to guide them and be there for them and, you know, making sure that they're okay at the end of the day. You know, when you are a mother with a lot of kids, sometimes you don't know how to take care of yourself. So a lot of, I always put myself on the back burner and put them kids up first. But I am starting to try to take care of myself a little bit better these days. It's, It's a slow process, but I'm working on it. That's all I can say. Well, I, I I appreciate yeah. uh, your candor yeah. and being willing to answer that question yes. because even for for mothers who may not be in your exact situation, yeah. just the tendency to overlook what you need because you're always giving, you know, yeah. to those around you, whether it's children or relatives or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Building Tamir's legacy, going yeah. in and out of town, in and out of the country. Yeah, I'm always. Um, making myself obligated um, to other folks, but not to myself, and I'm working on it. Let yeah. me just say, yeah, that. just remember, uh, you know, and and I guess I can preach. You know, family, you all know I'm any man, mm-hmm. right? So, <laughs> but you know, God gave you you, yeah, right? gave you you to take care of, yeah, and you can't take care of nobody if you don't take care of you. So yes. it's good to hear that you Thank are at least you. giving yourself that yeah. uh, that time uh, that you need, and yeah. um, it's been a real 
uh, an honor, a pleasure to be able to talk with you. Before we before we sign off, um, I want to point out when I talk about leadership, and leadership is not always giving the great speech, right, or asking people to reach into their pockets for a, a good cause, that leadership oftentimes is best exemplified in making the first move. And you made the first move yeah. when it came to it. And I think people need to think about this. You mentioned all those folks. You said, you know, you heard $6 million, but you didn't think about this whole list of things that goes down. Right. right? Uh, <laughs> ten attorneys and yeah. administrators and all these things. But you purchased the building. I purchased the building you in purchased 2018 with right. my own money. Right. And yes. so you are, uh, there's a, the phase now where it needs the, the rehab and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to make this a viable space for yeah. cultural and community education. Mm -hmm. So now you're asking for, right? Yeah. You're saying, hey, yeah. if you want to support this effort yeah you can do so yeah absolutely right? so you you've taken the first step yeah tell folks where they need to go again so uh okay for so you want to check us out at uh tamir e rice foundation.org um you could just type it in your computer and it'll come right up and that's really how you can send some donations or you could check us out on the 20th where we have created a Cleveland Foundation Fund. So say if somebody wanna write me a $50,000 check, it go on a donor's fund, it'll be safe. Yeah. Um, until until I'm able to get you know the rest of my paperwork logistically together. Okay. Um, other than that, we're pretty much good to go. Okay, yeah. Yeah. that is great to hear. Uh, Bishop, uh, any parting words that you also would like to leave, you know? Um, yeah. So when it comes, uh, Tariq, uh, when it comes to um, policing in America, I want to say that it is a two-way street. And, you know, while we are asking and we a lot of times we're fighting for, against police brutality, we still need the police. And what we have to do is we are working to keep voices of conscience like Samaria's they have to be there and they have to be present and we have to hear these stories because if people don't hear these stories, then they tend to forget. Mm -hmm. So what we have in the days ahead is we still have an America that is outside the, of the perimeters and needs help when it comes to their policy when it comes to dealing with people of color. Mm -hmm. And for all of those who would listen to this interview, we would hope that at the tail end of the day, know that everything that we're doing is going towards bringing restorative justice when it comes to policing in America and nothing else. That is the overall global impact. And if we can do that at the tail end of the day, then we could change our situation in America for the next generations. Yeah, okay. with that and also with police reform, um, I would like to see uh, police have insurance policies on them, just as well as psychological the uh, psychological. Uh, um, testing and um, just some better training, you know, better training and making sure that their HR department is reviewing things because that's what happened with Timothy Loma. They didn't review his um, application until he murdered my son. And, and mm. police have to stop investigating police. We need to yeah. figure out ways. And it obviously it varies by jurisdiction, state mm -hmm. to state, all of those different. But a lot of times when it ends up in the grand jury process, which is a whole nother show for you, yeah. it's a mysterious thing and we don't know how it's calculated and that's what we went through with Tamir's case. Yeah. We have to have an outside federal investigator 
who investigates these cases from a non-biased standpoint. And mm -hmm. if we don't see that happening, then a lot of 90% of the time, we're gonna lose these cases. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I appreciate you both, Samaria. Thank Bishop. you. Thank, Thank you. you all for being here. Okay. Family, our guests have been Samaria Rice. She's the CEO and founder of the Tamir Rice Foundation. And Bishop Greg L. Greer, he is the founder and president of Freedom First International. Uh, we thank you all for listening. Uh, we remind you, you can get to us on social media at Radio Islam USA, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get yours at, at Radio Islam USA. I'm your host and producer, Tariq el -Amin. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. We remind you that the views expressed by the host and or guests are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of Sound Vision Foundation. With that, we leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.